Coming live from India Atlantic, Florida, USA is our guest tonight. Welcome to this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live, the show which ensures that you profit from your time spent here with experts, either through their industry insights, information, or simply learning from them. And today we have Stacy Marmo, Marmolejo, founder and CEO of Franchise Prep Academy which helps soon to retire military personnel navigate the franchisee industry so they can evaluate if a franchisee is their next career. Welcome to the show, Stacy. Thank you so much. I'm really appreciative to be here with you today. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for joining us here in India. And it's a global show, so it's going to a lot many places right now. We are going live on YouTube, LinkedIn, as well as Facebook. And later on, it will go to all audio platforms, as well as Instagram and Twitter. So, uh, uh, Stacy will talk about the franchisee, uh, which will be good for a lot of military personnel. So, you will talk mostly about the U.S. perspective, but a lot of this also means uh, the same thing, except for some background differences uh, for a lot of people in India from the military point of view. A lot of people here are in permanent services as well as, you know, short service commission uh, in the army and all the three armed forces. So uh, to understand from uh, from you, who uh, you are running a franchise prep academy, uh, franchise versus startup, which is better if I understand it from you? So. I, first of all, let me say thank you to all of the military from around the world who are keeping all of us safe. And uh, I, I tip my hat to what's going on, continuing to happen in war. Uh, and let's hope that that gets safe soon. So with that said, I like the franchise model, particularly for a first business, because first of all, the, the startup part of starting a business is the most difficult part, right? So you need the product, you need the name, you need the, you need everything and you don't have any history with it. So you really don't have a roadmap. And if you've never owned a business before, you don't know about all of the operations either. So you're kind of handicapped if you start your own business. Whereas if you buy a franchise, then you're going to have the operations support behind you. They're going to give you the playbook. I mean, let's face it. What is the military best at around the world? Execution, right? You join the military and they train you and they train you to follow the directions and execute to perfection. And you have a manager or a boss or a sergeant or a platoon leader, whatever the title is. And they're always coming back to you to make you better and better and better. So you, are, you have learned the skill of taking a plan and executing to precision. And that's how successful franchisees operate because it's all done for you. They figured out the product, they figured out the service, they figured out the marketing, they figured out the sales angle, they figured out the lead generation everything so all you have to do is follow the plan and you will be successful so that's why i think that a franchise is a great post-military career because it marries all those skills that you've learned 
and perfected in the military with a um, civilian business so that you can serve your community much like you serve your country in the military. I hope right. that right, right, Stacey. In India also, we have several people, you know, they have this franchises and franchise from a lot of uh, established companies. Uh, but by and large, there are, you know, everybody has a different sort of understanding. Either it's lack of knowledge about this whole stuff, how it works, or maybe it is it is just that they have never ventured out to find out exactly how these things work and uh, that they should not be as apprehensive or should not have any uh, any preconceived notion about this particular stuff. I don't know how it works in the U.S., but I'm sure people are a lot similar everywhere. They have their own set of questions. Are there any misconceptions uh, about franchises in the U.S.? And if yes, what are they? Can you share some of them? Maybe it will also reflect some of the questions that people have in India. Absolutely. So I think the number one misconception is that all franchises are in quick food service. So McDonald's, okay. Burger King, Taco Bell, um, whatever other Subway sandwiches, all of those. But quick, they're called quick serve restaurants. Um, yes. Quick serve restaurants make up one out of four franchises. So they're about 25%. But in the United States, there are four thousand franchise brands to choose from uh and so obviously three quarters of those are not in quick serve okay. and i think so that's misconception number one i think misconception number two is you have to have a lot of money to buy a franchise or to run a franchise and again true at the mcdonald's level however in the states there are franchises that you can get into for ten thousand dollars and there's no way you could start your own business. And what I mean by that is like maybe you're go maybe you're a plumber or an electrician, right? So you're going to have to buy a truck to, to wouldn't put your name on it. And, you know, so all these things. So there's all these startup costs that you need as an independent startup. Now, obviously, you'll need a truck as well in a franchise. But here's where myth number three comes in is the myth is it's difficult to get funding. So it is difficult to get funding to do a startup business because there's no history there. Whereas in franchising, when you go, first of all, the Small Business Administration in the United States has, by law, has been required to set aside a certain amount of money to specifically fund franchises. Okay. That's number one. But number two, there's a pre-approved list of franchises at the SBA. So if you go to your bank to apply for a lo SBA loan, there's two kinds of banks. There's the preferred SBA lender and the SBA lender. So if you go to a preferred SBA lender, they have the authority granted from the SBA to approve your loan themselves. If you go to an SBA lender that's not preferred, then what they will do is they'll look at it and then they will pass it on to the SBA for approval. So another misconception is that the SBA actually makes loans. So the Small Business Administration in the United States does not make loans. 
they guarantee loans to the banks. So you go to your bank to get an SBA loan. Again, the preferred, vent, the preferred SBA lender can make the decision themselves. Or if it's just an SBA lender, they'll send it off to the SBA for approval. Um, but half of it, if you buy a franchise that's already on the pre-approved list, half of the approval process is already done before you even walk in the door. If you have, a, if you're buying a franchise that's not on the SBA approved list, then it'll take a little more work. However, you can still get um, business loans more easily because what you're able to do is go in and say, there are 2,400 of these businesses around the United States or around the world, whatever the case is. And they've been in business for 15 years. And over those 15 years, historically, this is how much revenue is generated in this business. So the bank can see that it's not just somebody putting some projections out there. I'm sure if you've ever watched Shark Tank and people go in and they're like, yeah, my business is worth $12 million. Well, how much revenue do you have? 150,000, <laughs> you know? So banks are the same way. They want to see the facts that money can be generated so that they'll get their loan repaid. And so that's easier to do in a franchise situation. Um, trying to think of any other really big myths there. So they're not as expensive as you think they are. They're not all food. Uh, lending is not as difficult to get as you think it might be. Do you have any thoughts or misconceptions? I'm trying to think of any others because I think those are the I three. Think, uh, in India, I think the major misconception, uh, as far as even me, I used to understand that many of them or most of them are into, you know, quick food uh, restaurant, uh, quick service restaurants, uh, and into mostly into food business, you put up something at the mall, and then you know, you earn something, some money out of that, you put some couple of people down there. And then there are big, obviously, uh, companies are there, but generally, you don't tend to look at that, you think that they are very expensive, and you right. cannot look at that. But yeah. one other thing that is, uh, that I wanted to understand from you, Stacy, is that here we are talking most of them are products but uh, you certainly talked about plumber and all but what about the service franchises how oh. does it work and how does that's a very lucrative area and an uh, area that many people do not know about so they can explore that area because they can have that bent of mind they know, don't need to start they have a brand name which they can work with so how does it work in that area? Does it exist? How much does it, what is the percentage of service uh, franchises? Oh yeah, great question. So many, many service franchises from tax accounting to music lessons, which is the business that I was in for 17 years when I owned my franchises. Um, there's, if you'd like to be a coach, there are coaching franchises out there. Uh, and the thing that's so beautiful about the service industry franchises is you can do it from home. So it's much more affordable to get into not only buying in, but actually the operating costs are much lower. And then I don't know about tax laws in India, but in the States, if you've got a home based business, then you're able to write off some of your expenses in your home um, on your tax. Yes, right? we do have that. We do. Have that. OK, perfect. Yeah. So 
there are service um, franchises that you can work from home, that you can do part time. Uh, they can also be a great investment. If you personally don't want to work in the franchise, but you want an investment, there are franchises that allow you to not be actively engaged. So you can hire managers. And that's particularly helpful if you think about military spouses. So in the States, oftentimes what happens to a military spouse who has a great career when once they when they're married and then they get into the right moving and the people in the local community don't want to hire them because they know they're going to be transferred in a year or two years. Right. So they end up having careers that are, I don't want to say beneath them, but that they're overqualified for. So if you look at um, a franchise that you can do from home, then you can take that with you as your spouse is uh, moved around the world while they're in the military. And then you build that equity up in that business so that when you retire, you can carry that forth. Um, another thing to consider is if you're running a, a business while you're in the military, you're not just gaining income from that business, but it is an investment because you can turn around and sell it, right? So one thing to think about if you are thinking about getting into franchise to buying franchises is do you want to be a big fish in a small pond or a small fish in a big pond, right? Because franchisors really like what they call multi-unit franchisees. So people, they figure the more of their business, their, their franchise that you own and operate, the more invested you are in their brand. So some franchises require you to buy more than one McDonald's, um, but a lot of the smaller ones don't. Right. But let's say you have $50,000 to invest and you don't, it doesn't have to be all your money, by the way. In fact, I would suggest that even if you have all the money, you don't spend all your money because I'm going to tell you a little story. So when I started my music business and I bought three franchises and I didn't do it the right way, I did very little research. I was very naive, um, but I decided that I was going to empty my, not empty my 401k, but, but take money out of my 401k, which by the way, in the States, they have a program called Rob's Rollover. So you can take money out of your 401k investment and put it into your own business so long as you do it in with the right process, you, it's not taking money out. So you won't be taxed on that. It's like moving it from this stock portfolio to that stock portfolio. So there's not a, a tax consequence. Um, anyway, if you're looking at, at, at getting into franchising, and again, I'm going to use the $50,000 example. Let's say you have $25,000 and you borrow $25,000, right? So you've got the $50,000 because when I did it, I used all my own money and then I went to my bank and I said, look what a good job I did on my first location. Now I'd like to borrow money to open my second location. And they said, oh, you still have to put 30% down. Oh. And I said, but I, what about all of this? And, you know, I, I funded it all and I've had my bank account with you for 18 months and everything's going well. And they're like, no. So. 
my advice is never put all your own money in. Even if you have 50,000, only put 30%. That's usually what's required. And that way you've got money in, in the back in case you need a little more than you thought you would. Maybe operations take a little longer to ramp up than you anticipated. And then you've got the funds to take care of that. And if you don't need them for that, then maybe you can open a second location. And again, just put 30% because you want to be working with other people's money instead of your own money. So that's my story. So I ended up having to come up with more money uh, to open my second location. But now I know, use other people's money. Um, so if you have $50,000 to spend, do you buy one franchise that costs 50,000 or do you buy five that costs 10,000, right? So going back to that whole multi-unit owner, you're gonna have more pull with whatever franchise or you buy from if you commit to more than one location. So my suggestion right. would be to look at that. You don't have to open them all at the same time, right? That would be insane. But when you go in and you say, uh, you know, I eventually want to have five in this example, then you'll negotiate how much time in between when you open your first one, your second one, your third one. Okay. So they do get give time. You don't need to open them all, but you have already put your money into them. So that's an investment which is lying idle. So how does that work? So typically what happens is, let's say a franchise is $10,000, right? Typically, they'll say the first one is 10000 the second one is 8000 and then at some point, you'll get a price break on the others. And so oftentimes, you don't pay the whole amount up front. You pay for the first one, and you pay a percentage for two, three, four, and five. And then when you open two, you pay the balance. When you open three, you pay the balance. So you're not having to spend all that money up front. However... If you decide you don't want to open two through five, you will not get your deposit back because you have prevented them from selling those territories to somebody else. Right. Right, Stacey. Now, somebody has finally made up their mind that they will go for a franchise. So what do they do now? How do they zero in onto what is good for them, which one to go, whether... Again, uh, QSRs, uh, food ones, or non-food ones, service ones. How do you go where you, where you, uh, where, which is the right franchisee for you? So the first answer is how not to do it, which is how I did it. Okay. Okay. So my son was into music and he wanted to play in a band. And he went to a summer camp where the kids all had their lessons and then they came together and they did a performance on the Friday afternoon and he loved it. I was like, there's gotta be someplace kids can do this in town. And there wasn't so that I went online to try and find some place that I could take him for a week to do another camp. And I came across this business called the Paul Green School of Rock in Philadelphia. So I called him and I was like, do you have any more summer camps? And they said, oh no, cause it was August and the summer had ended. So I told them why I was looking and they said, well, we're getting ready to sell franchises if you're interested. So I went and I met with them and I believed everything their salesperson told me and I signed up. I knew nothing about franchising. I knew nothing about the music industry. So that's the way not to do it, right? 
Mark Cuban, if you're familiar with him, he's he's a probably a billionaire. I know he's at least a multimillionaire, again, on Shark Tank. Uh, he says, do not follow your passion. You know, so many people tell you to follow your passion in a business. I've always said, don't follow your passion because then your passion becomes a job. But he says, don't follow your passion because you might not be good at it. And his example was he loves to play basketball, but he's only got a seven inch jump, you know, so that's not going to get him into the, into the pros. So he says, don't follow your passion. What we do in Franchise Prep Academy is we start with three assessments. We start with a risk assessment because you really, it, it, you know, starting a business is risky. Even, even with as many um, support mechanisms, it's still risky, right? So we'll do a risk assessment to make sure that you have the DNA of an entrepreneur. Uh, we do a core competency assessment to make sure you're good at what you think you're good at. And then we'll, we do what's called a motivator assessment. And that's not motivation, but it's motivators, which is what do you do day in and day out that you enjoy? Because we want you to enjoy the business as well, right? So do you like to be outside? Do you wanna be inside? Do you wanna have to dress up? Do you want to just wear whatever you wanna to wear to work? Do you wanna be part-time? Do you wanna be full-time? Um, do you wanna be with kids? So an example is somebody bought a music school because they love music, but they're not in the music business, they're in the child enrichment business. Okay. So you really, did, so once we do these assessments, then the next thing we look at is a personal financial statement, because there's no reason in get, getting yourself so far in debt that you can't climb out. That's not fun either. So going back to the example of the $10,000. So let's say all you have is 20,000 instead of 50,000, right? So start with that one 10,000, build it up, sell it. This It's sort of like, houses, you know, you have your starter house, you can have your starter business too. So you buy what you can afford, you build it up so it's got more value, and then you sell it, and then you take what you earn from it and put it into your next franchise investment until you're to the level that you can really get the one you want. Right. Uh, so we look at financials. Then what we do is we take all that data that we know about you as an individual and we bump it up against a database of franchises that we have. So we're looking for the industries that are interesting to you, the lifestyle that's interesting to you. Um, oh, and then there's one other thing and anybody could do this. This is just sort of a reflective inward reflection. There's typically four reasons people want to start a business. All four fit in, but there's usually one driver, right? So one is money. Like, I want to make as much money as I possibly can, okay? And in franchising, the dirtier the job, the more money you can make, right? It's probably true in independence, too, but because those jobs that most people don't want to do, right? So you can own it and have someone else do it. You can own it and do it yourself. But here's the, for me, one of the weirdest franchise businesses to get into, cleaning up crime scenes. Okay. So I wouldn't want to do that.
but you can make a lot of money doing that. Okay. So you start a business for money. You start a business for flexibility, right? So let's say that you want to have all this flexibility in your day. You have kids. You want to go watch them play soccer at three o'clock in the afternoon, right? You want the flexibility to come and go as you please in this business. You're not going to want a brick and mortar business unless you have people working for you because you're going to be stuck there, right? The third one is, so we've got money, flexibility, freedom, freedom to make choices. Oh, a lot. We were talking about um, misconceptions. Another misconception is that you have no, no freedom in how to do things in a franchise, right? right? And that's not true. No, you can't like redesign their logo or you can't decide you want to sell stuff that, you know, let's say you buy a pet franchise and it's a pet food franchise and you're like, oh, I want to start a taco stand within the pet food because when people bring their dog or cat, I know they're going to want a taco. They're going to want something to eat. You can't do that. But you can be very creative in your marketing, You like at, at the School of Rock, which is different from McDonald's. So again, it depends on the franchise. We could decorate as we wanted, so long as we did it within the right color palette, right? When McDonald's, you're going to buy the exact tables and everything. So if flexibility is part of what you're looking for, then that will rule some franchises out and bring some franchises into your choice. And then the fourth reason is fulfillment. And that was why I bought the School of Rock is because I wanted, I had wanted to be an entrepreneur since I was in college and I didn't have the guts to do it. I was 45 years old once I quit my corporate job and became an entrepreneur because I had wanted to do it since I was in college. And I finally said, it's now or never. And my son wanted this and it didn't exist. And so it kind of fit two needs at one time. So the reason I bought a franchise was for, for fulfillment, right? So depending on which of those drivers you have will also help define the narrowing of, of your choices. Right, right. So uh, Stacy, it is from the other point of view. Now, how do I know whether I am fit for, uh, you know, for a franchise, whether my, you know, the way I am works for a franchise, you know, how do I assess myself? Yeah. So again, I would look at risk tolerance, number one, um, because if you if you don't have a, a, a high risk tolerance, I would say you're probably not going to enjoy business ownership at all, whether it's a franchise or an independent. Um, I think you may be more you may enjoy more a career. So that's number one, definitely is risk assessment. And then also look at your financials because you're going to have people are always looking for these like, how do I start a business without investing any of my own money? And the reality is you cannot. There are plenty of things on the Internet that say you can, but you cannot. I mean, think about it. Even if it's things like, oh, I want to do affiliate marketing. Right. Well, you're going to have to have, let's say, a blog that you can promote okay. these things in. And you're going to have to spend time writing or you're going to have to hire a writer. And then you're going to have to go find the affiliates that you're going to sell. Time is money, too. Right. Absolutely. So there 
there's no way to oh and then you're going to need a computer and you know with today you're going to need to learn how to do video and there's just so much of this stuff and all of those tools cost money so nothing is free you have to invest to make money right so look at your financial situation and decide how much you're going to invest right and then there are plenty of um they're called the financial consultants and they are really sales people. So I don't sell franchises. I just teach people how that works so that they can have their radar up so that they can go from 4,000 options to two or three. Right? right. And then there are franchise consultants and what they are is they are salespeople that have a book of franchises that they represent. And then they'll meet with you and they know what the franchisor is looking for and they know what you're looking for. Ideally, because you went through Franchise Prep Academy and you've got it nailed down, but they know what you're looking for. You know what you're looking for. And then they can tell you which franchises they represent that, ha that you're a match for. And then they will introduce you to the franchisor, right? Now, you can go directly to the franchisor yourself. I mean, any franchise, if you look up XYZ franchise, it will give you in, in a Google search, it will give you a page to go to on their website specifically for people looking to buy a franchise. And then you can fill in in the form and they'll be back to you like that because it's going to their salespeople, right? So you can work directly with the franchise too. I would always encourage you to use a franchise consultant because the franchisor they believe in their product i'm not going to say they're lying to you they believe in your product right in their product so they're going to tell you all the benefits right the other thing that you need to do though is you need to do your due diligence by calling people who already own that franchise so there's something in the states that the regulatory document in the states that that governs franchising is called the franchise disclosure document. And and you get that document, generally speaking, directly from the franchisor. They don't like them out in the Ethernet, but you can generally find one. So that would be another tip is to do the franchise name in your in your search bar, followed by franchise disclosure document. And right. then you can oftentimes find them. It might be an older version, but it'll give you a pretty good, pretty good idea. But they have um, the current franchisees in the document. So you can actually call those franchisees. And then at Franchise Prep Academy, we give you a due diligence tracker that has 28 questions to ask existing franchisees. And then there's another one with 20 questions to ask the franchisor. So you're drilling down. So if you don't know the questions to ask, then you're only going to get, you know, the peripheral information. But if you've got the right questions to ask, then you can dig deeper and then that will help you. Like, you know, example, when you're calling current owners, you're going to ask them, how long did it take you to become profitable? How easy is it to work with corporate? Do they, you know, require different things that, that I might not expect? 
How often do they come in and check your location? You know, all these kinds of questions that you may not think to ask, you'll get in, in Franchise Prep Academy in the disclosure document. Um, right. Due diligence right. track. Right. Yeah. Franchise Prep Academy. I was coming to that. So how do they connect with you? How do they, uh, you know, learn what they need to learn? Uh, and how they also know about uh, what you are doing on the franchise part. So how the whole idea is to understand how to reach to you. Uh, thank you for that, too. So uh, if you go to stacymarmalejo.com, there's a, uh, um, a menu bar. And in that is a course. So you can click on the courses and it'll tell you all about Franchise Prep Academy. And we are starting our next one mid-October. I think it's October 25th is the next. Uh, it's a month long and we meet three days a week. Uh, one day is education. And then we bring in an industry expert who shares some deeper information on their subject matter expertise with a live Q&A. And then the third meeting is just open Q&A. And so we cover over the course of four weeks, we cover the four high points, uh, dig deep in, and then they should be ready to either know this is not for me, <laughs> I would never do this, or, oh, this sounds like it's right up my alley. I'm ready to be introduced to a franchise consultant so I can move ahead. So stacymarmalejo.com. Right, right. In fact, I'll add some of this information to the YouTube description so that it helps people reach to you and get all the guidance that they can yep. get. And then we can hop on a phone call with, with one of my team members and answer any questions that you may have um, before making any type of commitment for training. Right, Stacey, right. Thank you so much for all this information. And in fact, I also come out much more educated on this whole whole idea of franchise and franchisees and, you know, franchise owners, as well as, you know, it has also cleared some of my uh, misconceptions, especially the bigger, biggest one was that most of these are in QSR or quick food delivery and all that stuff. So oh, thank yeah. you very much. Oh, my pleasure. And thank you for the opportunity to share the value of franchising with your audience, because I do think that a lot of people think about it like a multi-level marketing or a pyramid scheme or something like that and couldn't be farther from the truth. It, you, I will say in the United States, before they regulated the industry, it was like that. But now that they've regulated the franchising industry, it's more highly regulated than independent businesses. So, yeah. Right, yeah. right. And even in India, people can look at this, uh, this, uh, this stuff and see if there is something that works better for them than starting a new business. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Right. Thank you so much once again, Stacey. With My this, pleasure. Thank you. I really appreciate it. With this, it's a wrap on this very special edition of the KJ Masterclass Live. Thank you once again.